The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We've got a very special guest, a very special topic, a little bit of a youth movement. Our guest is the founder of Hoops Nation, Buster Share. Uh, Buster is a social media phenomenon who's only 19. Well, he'll be 19 August 25th. Between the two accounts, Buster Share and Hoops Nation, over a million followers. So stick around. He's coming up in a second. But first, Darlene, run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. I just, I really want people that watch the game of basketball to really appreciate the execution involved in screens, particularly a good fade screen. All right, we teed him up. Today's guest, the founder of Hoops Nation, Buster Shear. He's a native of Brooklyn whose social media following, somebody give me a synonym for enormous, like for ridiculous, for crazy. He's been at it since the tender age of 12 years old. He joins me now. Buster, thanks for hopping on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Okay, so let's let's get all the way into this. Take me back, what, six years, almost seven years, when you decided that you were going to start a platform called Hoops Nation, or was it Hoops Nation at that point? No, it was originally called, it was originally around fantasy basketball, because I saw the attention on fantasy football, and I was not as big of a football fan. I was obviously through and through diehard Knicks and basketball fan. So I decided to kind of take the time I was spending on actually playing fantasy basketball and apply that to messing around on social media, talking and posting around the subject of fantasy basketball. And then eventually I realized that it made a little bit more sense to expand a tiny bit and then started a, a site called All NBA All Day and then decided to expand even more to all levels, uh, which is what Hoops Nation ended up being. But uh, you know, that that all came over the course of a couple of years and a bunch of different platforms. And I started broadcasting in between that. So that that definitely helped out as well. But at the end of the day, just having fun talking about hoops. That's it. I love that. So tell me about the conversations at the beginning, right? Like, did people did you find yourself engaged in conversation with the folks that would eventually become NBA Twitter, NBA Instagram, at 12, you're talking to like 25-year-olds? Like, what, who were you talking to? Who was your audience? Uh, my audience was, I mean, it was definitely a lot of people from the Philippines because I was doing it on Facebook originally. And gotcha. the Philippines are one of the craziest basketball fan bases. Uh, it was probably half, half people from the States, half people from the Philippines. Um, and for the most part, I was posting videos, blogging. So they, it was just reading. There was no, uh, face-to-face interactions until I started actually broadcasting and doing Facebook live, uh, before it actually launched globally, when they were testing it out in some countries, I would make accounts that said I was from those countries just so I could do it. Um, 
and that that was kind of the first first time where it was a live interaction but apart from that I really don't think about who I'm talking to as much all that matters to me is that they're a basketball fan um but you know I I definitely think that uh what I was doing outside of the social media stuff helped out more with the social media stuff than what I was actually doing on social media because I was broadcasting high school sports. So literally all the way down from girls JV soccer to the Friday night football games for my high school. Uh, I think that honestly helped more because it was very real and live in contrast to some of the stuff on social. And that definitely helped out when started doing the Facebook live and, and hosting shows and stuff of that nature. Dude, you're like this young mogul out here in these streets. I love it. It's fantastic. Now, when you say broadcasting, who are you broadcasting the high school content for? Or even the JV content? It was radio. It was like local radio. Yeah. Got it. Got like it. Connecticut radio. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal, um, Buster. You obviously are a hoop head, consuming it on every level. And you are a Brooklyn native, correct? Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. All right. So I heard, did I hear you say you were a Knicks fan earlier in our conversation or did you just mention both teams? I am a Knicks fan, despite the fact that I lived in Brooklyn when the Nets moved there. Okay. So talk to me about your experience <laughs> with this summer of free agency. Are you remaining a Knicks fan? Like, where are you? Yeah, because what I have found. Okay. But here's the thing, Buster, and you're young. So you're the perfect guy to have this conversation with. I was with MSG a bunch this summer. We did a lot of Knicks content, obviously. And when I talk to Knicks fans, it seems like it's all older folks who just refuse to move. But the way that we consume the NBA today is far different than then in terms of people's loyalties being with their players. So are you a loyal and will you remain a loyal Knicks fan? And why? Of course I will. I honestly didn't even think this offseason was that bad. We got Julius Randle. We got a couple... Love Bobby Portis. We got a couple of really nice pieces. I mean, for anybody that thinks Zion is going to average 21 and 9, which is what Julius Randle averaged last year, his rookie season, they're out of their minds. So I'm, I'm not mad at this year. I'm not mad at this oh, offseason's pickups. Oh, 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 and as far as stop. not – go ahead. Hold on, Buster. Go ahead. Wait a minute. You, you don't think that Zion can give you what Julius Randle gave you last year? 21 and 9 is rookie year? No. Okay, I think that's legit, but why do you think that? Because I, there's very there's a very small crowd that seems to be reasonable on what Zion can actually bring to the table. I mean, I think he can put up 15 and 8. I think that's pretty realistic as far as a rookie season in the NBA going from uh you know, playing against kids that look like myself in high school to you know, not being able to stay in the game at Duke to questions about his conditioning this off season. I'm, I mean, I, I think the dude's going to be a Hall of Famer, All Star. You know, year in and year out. I just, I think Julius Randle will have a better season this year. And when we put those two things together, after everyone's crying over not getting Zion this year, you know, uh, I'm, okay, I'm not mad at it. Okay, Buster, that, Zion, fine. The lottery balls don't drop your way. But you're not frustrated with free agency? Or you you legit like Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, the old heads that they added? I mean, would I like to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie? Sure. But I also think it's great that the New York Knicks own all of their picks going forwards. 
and they have a young team and a lot of cap space going forwards and keep shooting for the star shoot for Giannis in a couple years shoot for shoot for these big guys at the end of the day let's say the Knicks get let's say the Knicks uh pay Kevin the max for two years doesn't play this year plays next year the Knicks make the eight seed lose out because Kyrie was already in Brooklyn uh and then he's gone Hey, Buster, it's Bruce. Uh, Want to jump in and ask you a question. So the Knicks signed like four power forwards over the summer and, yeah. you know, and they drafted RJ and, and Izzy Bradzikas, who I think are both, you know, potentially, uh, you know, solid contributors. What do you see that team needing the most? Uh, the team has very few veterans. <laughs> it's a very young, inexperienced team. Uh, a lot of guys fresh out of college, a lot of guys fresh out of small market teams. So I think that that in New York will probably be a problem, you know, but uh, I'm confident in RJ. I think his game will transfer from Duke uh, much better than, than most other guys out of the draft. So I feel great about that. I like Iggy a lot. He honestly had one of the best summer leagues. I was out in Vegas for a little while watching, watched every game of his. Um, he looked really, really good. So I'm I'm hopeful as far as the power forward uh, situation is concerned. It is what it is. I expect the Knicks to get eh, 35 to 38 wins this year, could, which could honestly land them at an eight seed. But uh, being that as it may, I don't think you know since championships are not a seven eight month you know vision i think having a couple extra power forwards is fine you know you figure out who works figure out who's the best and then adapt going forwards with a huge cap space what do you think of jim dolan as an owner i am a knicks fan i one day would love to own the new york knicks and that's all, all i'm gonna say on that <laughs> smart 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 <laughs> Very savvy answer. <laughs> All right, so then let me ask you this, and then we'll hop in off this conversation because, Lord, it has been beat to death. Are most folks your age that grew up Knicks fans in the city of New York, are they like you, Buster, or are more people like Max Kellerman, who was once a Knicks fan and now makes no bones about it, about how he is no longer that? Like, what is, in your age bracket, what does the loyalty look like? So it's funny. Um... I grew up in Brooklyn. I went to a, a school in Brooklyn Heights from first through ninth grade. And then I moved to Connecticut. And in Connecticut, it's very split between Celtics fans and Knicks fans. So it's really like, it's, I, I'd honestly say it's 50% Celtics fans, uh, 40% Knicks fans, 10% Nets fans. Uh, so a lot of the people I was around in high school, because I went there sophomore through senior year, were Celtics fans. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of the people, the real ones are still Knicks fans. Anybody that's not is fake. Hmm. <laughs> got it. Got it. You know, Unless some of us, some of us, yeah. so, you know, some of us Celtics fans, you know, have that Knicks hatred in our DNA, but, uh, you know, there was a time that we really respected them, but they got to earn our respect back the Knicks. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I honestly, I don't even understand why Celtics fans would hate Knicks fans because, I mean, the Knicks don't even compete with them, quite frankly. So it's not even like there's no rivalry when you win every game. 
you know? <laughs> well, if you really are interested, I, I could explain it, at least in my own case. I'm quite a bit older. Uh, I remember the 1970s, and back then it was really ugly. And as you can imagine, the rivalries in sports that, you know, were kind of bubbling up when you were a teenager, those yeah. have a tendency to stick with you. So for me, it's a really long memory. I understand that. And I also understand the fact that, like, I'm also a huge Yankees fan. So the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, you know, spills over into other sports, too. Like, I get it. I respect that. Wow. That's hmm. – you guys are so fortunate. Well, minus the Knicks, sort of, kind of. But, Bruce, I envy you in a, in a team that was once very, very successful. Your Yankees fan buster, very successful. Like, huh, I envy that. I don't want to think any of my t- – well, the Caps. I guess we'll go there. Yeah, the Caps <laughs> all right, Buster. All right. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Caps, just a little Stanley Cup, but other than that, whatever. Um, now, here's the thing that we love the NBA and we love basketball as it continues to grow. The culture just seems to infiltrate everywhere that it can. And one of the top things, and I know you know this, is the shoe game, Buster. Are you a sneaker? Would you consider yourself a sneakerhead? I would consider myself aware of many sneakers, but I'm not, I'm not somebody that's going to stand in line or, you know, but I appreciate sneakers. And I wear many of them. Okay. And I know so about just give me them. there you go. So give me your go-to right now, summer 2019. It's a hot girl summer. I don't know if you're subscribing to a hot boy summer or not, but give me your go-to pair this summer. Uh go-to pair this summer. It really like it comes down to the specific activity. Like if okay. I'm if I'm working out, uh I'm, it depends. If I'm working out indoors. I've been wearing Yeezys when I've been working out. So uh, all oh, white, yeah. uh, the gray ones, uh, the the reflective ones. I've been wearing those recently. If I'm going out at uh, like to a dinner, I've been wearing the Fear of Gods, uh, the mint ones. Um, I wear a lot of Yeezys, some Jordans, Jordan ones. Uh, I like I like the off white collection. Uh, I've been wearing Heron Preston's Nike collab for basketball. I wear Kyrie fours and LeBron tens. Those are my two go tos. Probably Dude. Kyrie fives soon too. <laughs> I love how you just laid that out. Like, oh, I'm just aware of sneakers, but you definitely hit like the hottest kicks of the summer. The, are the fear of God's comfortable? They look hot. Uh, you can't you can't really. They're not they're not very movable. Mm. You know, they're they're heavy. They're very heavy. You need to zip up the back, which is unfortunate. Um, so it definitely takes a second, uh, you know, as far as putting them on, taking them off. But I think they look dope. And at the end of the day, that's got to be 75% of it. <laughs> hey, Buster, when I was at ESPN, I worked with a lot of the younger dudes, uh, you know, cutting videos and everything. And a lot of them had like 34 40, 50 pairs of, of kicks. How many pair do you have? Probably around 75. Yeah, probably around 75. Nice. You ever go to Flight Club in New York? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Flight Club, Stadium Goods, all those. Cool. So uh, do, you, do you collect them or do you just wear them? I just wear them. I don't collect. I don't sell. Never sold a pair of sneakers in my life. Uh, I give a lot away. Like I'll give them away to friends and family and brother and whatnot, but I, I don't sell. I just wear. So, so 
I saw a podcast that you did with somebody about a year ago, and you were talking about, you know, Donovan Mitchell is kind of being like the, the it guy at, at the moment, you know, who's the it guy or, or the it person these days on social? I, I think it was Zion Williamson for about four months, and that kind of faded after the draft and a lot of people, and he didn't obviously play very much in the summer league. So the hype on that front kind of died. As far as the player right now, I mean, LeBron is always the player. And every Tuesday, he's the post on every social media account because of his Taco Tuesday antics. Um, I think, I mean, there are a couple guys that perform really well, like Alex Caruso of the Lakers, just kind of being a meme. He performs very well. Um, I'm looking through right now. D'Angelo Russell has been pretty good lately. Derek Rose is always, always great. Tim Duncan, obviously taking the new coaching job, the memes that come with that. Kyrie's been pretty good. Um, Carmelo Anthony gets a lot of attention for better or worse when anybody posts about him on social. J.R. Smith. Uh, but yeah, those those are a couple of the guys that I've seen uh, getting a little bit more attention than everybody else. Would you personally be down to see Carmelo Anthony on a? I mean, I know he says he's not ready to retire, but if the Knicks brought him back, what would your thought on that be? Sure, why not? I see. I agree. Although I don't, he's obviously not in retirement mode, but I think it would be cool. And he's a veteran. I agree. Okay. And I, the garden loves him. Oh, I I will say that Alan Hahn, after free agency went the way it did, uh, my my friend Alan Hahn, we were on MSG together, and he suddenly has this new respect for Melo because he's like he's the only big time player that was willing to deal with all that comes with being a Nick. And he felt like Katie and Kyrie copped out this summer. Nah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've, I've started to understand the specifics of what it is playing for the Knicks. Like it's very unfortunate that guys that play for the Knicks more often than not don't live in New York city. Like that's super unfortunate because they practice up in Westchester. Mm-hmm. So all of them have houses up there. But when you think of being a New York Knicks, you think of living in the city. Whereas when you play for the Nets, they practice in Brooklyn. So you can actually live in New York City. So just little things like that that I'm sure play an impact beyond everything else, you know, in addition to the ridiculous media attention and qu- difficult questions on ownership and the franchise and how terrible it's been and how much the fans want it and selling out every game, even if you're losing by 30, like that's a very difficult thing, you know, for the players. Cause more often than not, you know, like, let's say you're a Phoenix Suns team. If the Phoenix Suns are terrible, they're not, nobody's going to show up to the games. They have to play well for people to show up to the games or they have to have a big team in town, but more often than not, they have to play well. Whereas the New York Knicks, they're selling out every game regardless. So it's definitely an odd situation. And I understand why some guys don't want that to be on them. Like if Kevin Durant came, he's out this year, he's here next year. The Knicks don't have a great season. The effects that has on his legacy, being solo in New York, expected to do what Carmelo Anthony tried to do, but actually succeed further at what Melo had tried to do. And Melo had some good guys. He had Amari, he had Tyson Chandler, defensive player of the year. He had some... J.R. Smith, like he had, he had good dudes, but you know, not great. And I think if if Kevin Durant had come here, or even Kyrie or or 
let's say an Anthony Davis trade happened, whatever, the pressure's all on them. And that's tough in New York. Like I couldn't see anybody doing the same thing in LA for the Lakers. I just think the Lakers have a better public, uh, you perception. know, yeah. public perception really. Yeah. Uh, for for guys to do that, and also they get to live in LA. Like honestly, I think that is a bigger impact than people take account for. Hey Buster, last week on our Catch and Shoot podcast, we had on uh, TJ Adashola, who's like the head of sports partnerships for uh, Twitter. And we were asking him about some of the guys who really perform well on Twitter. And one of the guys that he singled out was Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, Spencer is somebody that you have had a relationship with in the past. What kind of things did you and he work on that helped him kind of propel himself kind of beyond what his um, maybe stature might be based on just what he's done on the court? Yeah, Spencer's the man. Um, it's funny that he says that because I've noticed he's very, very active on Twitter and it's actually him, um, which a lot of the players don't run their own socials. Um, but I, I think, you know, Spencer Spencer's one of the best, funniest dudes in the league. Uh, I remember the first time I met him, I helped him promote his NBPA camp. So he filmed some videos around that. And then he had this like cool camp with kids or whatever that was done a couple times. And then he'd, he's come on the NBA show I do on, on Twitch. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's supposed to come on the podcast soon that I host. Um, but he's the man, uh, he's hilarious and he holds nothing back on social. So I think that's why he does well. So his, so his willingness to just sort of open up to the fans and kind of embrace the fans, yeah. that, that's the secret? 100%. Who, who, else, uh, who else do you really enjoy following on Twitter, whether you've had a relationship with them or not, or Instagram? Let me look at Twitter right now. I'm going to see who I follow. I mean, obviously the Woges and the Shams of the world because breaking news, you know, getting something 25 seconds before somebody else can literally be the difference between you know, a thousand people reposting what you post and not. Um, I'm looking through right now. I like people that are funny. Uh, you know, I'm looking through now. Like, it's a lot of meme accounts. Total Pro Sports I see in here. The Spun I see in here. Uh, yeah, a lot of meme accounts. What do you that think are the magic roasting people? <laughs> magic Johnson gets a lot of grief sometimes because a lot of the stuff that he posts up on Twitter is sort of it's almost like an associated press story. The Lakers won tonight by 23. What do you think of his Twitter game? You know, it's his birthday today. So I don't want to I don't want to roast him, but <laughs> uh I think his Twitter feed is amazing. It's hilarious. So, what's the next thing for you? I mean, uh you seem to be cutting edge in so many ways. I mean, you know, and I love that you guys are doing this podcast because that's something that I'm a huge believer in, just the power of audio because of how accessible it is. So I've been pushing out a podcast every Tuesday um, for the last little while now, video and audio, three camera angles in a studio downtown in, in Soho. We record every day that I'm in New York. We pretty much record at least one, sometimes two um and then get that all edited and put it out on every platform but i'm a huge believer in audio um just because of how evergreen the content for the most part is and how easy it is for anyone to access it and also how 
anything like anything somebody can do while multitasking i think is 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 much easier um to get people to convince people or not even convince people to get people hooked in like the reason i'd say joe rogan is a top 15 most impactful people in the world right now is because of the power of audio and how his voice is literally in people's heads and i think that's pretty crazy so i'm a big believer in audio did that kind of just when did you become a big believer in audio? Because the podcast scene has burst like crazy in the last, what, like three years maybe? Yeah. Uh, I've become a believer personally in the last couple of months after doing it myself and, and seeing feedback. But um, I've, I've been a fan of other people doing this stuff for well over two years. Got it. Well, just so you, if you're ever looking for guest buster, you know what I'm saying? We got the number now. We all type, tag, tag. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> so look, I was hanging out with the crew at Overtime this summer. We did the super dope Overtime Summer Throne, which will roll out in the fall. Super excited to be pumped about it. And OT Larry, who I know you're familiar with the whole OT crew. Yeah. Um, it was hilarious. We were sitting in the house one day and Malik, um, Overtime Malik, Malik Zaire, former quarterback at Notre Dame, has been like going through some stuff with his Instagram accounts or whatever. So Larry comes over and is like super hype. He's like, Malik, yo, like you on my bro. Like you got fake accounts now. And Malik's like, no, I just had to change my name. <laughs> I had to change my name because I'm trying to figure out some stuff. He was like, oh man, like Larry was so disappointed because he's like, when you get fake accounts, then you know you're on. So I just happened to pull up Buster Share, right? You got fan pages. We got some fake accounts. I counted five different Buster Shares. There may be more. But like when you started to see that, was that a moment for you? No, <laughs> I couldn't care less. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care about that stuff. What do you, <laughs> that's your business. You do care. I don't care about. I mean, like, I care about people enjoying the stuff that I put out, listening, learning, and having conversation. I think it's funny, you know. Like, I, like it's funny, but you know, it's <laughs> okay. like whatever. On that note, then I love Larry and all them though. They are they are hilarious, and energy is endless when you're with that crew. But yeah. on that note, we do have this often have this discussion about the detriments that come along with social media. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think social media is terrible and amazing at the same time. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I'm you know I'm gonna be on it you know. I don't think it's right for everybody. You know, I think a lot of people should limit how much time they spend on it. Everybody, if they haven't, should look at their settings and see how much time they spend on every app. Because if they're not doing that, they're just they're just uh, wasting away time. You want to be knowledgeable of at the very least how you're spending your time. And if you're not, you're just ignorant to that. Um, so I, I think that's important. But you know, I think there are a lot of ways where social media can better your life, connect you with cooler people, better your circle. You know, I think social media is great if you use it the right way. I just don't think everybody knows how to use it the right way. So, Buster, you're, you know, obviously a, a master of the new media, but you come from a family of some pretty creative folks. I mean, your dad, Jeff's an Emmy Award winner, a filmmaker, an animator, painter. He's got works on display at many famous museums. Your mom, Bonnie graphic designer, high profile clients. 
So creativity seems to be in your DNA. How have your folks influenced you and what your career path has been? Honestly, I think the most important thing is just that they've been supportive um, more than anything else. You know, supportive. I didn't go to college. I think I was the only person in my 500 person graduating class in high school not to go to college. And a lot of people thought I was ridiculous by that. And to an extent, you know, I, I thought I was too, but you know, there was, uh, there wasn't too much doubt in my mind either because I knew I was going to have fun in, you know, triumph or defeat. So, you know, I was just excited at the time about not having to go to school, you know, and not having to do homework for no reason and subjects that I would never use again. So I was just excited about that. But at the end of the day, my parents just being supportive is honestly uh, the biggest thing, but they're, they're both great. Well, well, you might not have attended college, but didn't I see a clip somewhere of you lecturing students at Columbia University? Yeah, that, that exists. <laughs> that yeah. So what, so what was that all about? I mean, honestly, I probably would have failed the class if I was in it. That's the funny thing. Like, I, you know, I, it's much easier for me to show up to class. Like, I don't, like, I know a little bit about some things, but not a lot about most things. So if I can come in and share that little bit, I know about the two things I'm good at. I'm all in for it. I'll do that at Harvard, Columbia, wherever they, wherever they want to have me, you know, but uh, I definitely would have failed that class if I was uh, actually taking it. Is Brandon Steiner? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Monica. What'd you talk about? Social media, NBA, digital. So, so is Brandon Steiner trying to get you up to Syracuse? Brandon is the man. Honestly, if I would, if I would have gone to college, I would have gone to Syracuse Newhouse, um, just because of their broadcasting school. But it's so out of the way. Oh my goodness, that drive is brutal. I never, never. Oh, Syracuse! No hey, Syracuse. hey, 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 hey! Bruce went to Syracuse, class of '79, Newhouse. That's you know, Monica's a Georgetown girl, so you know we got that thing going on. Yeah, I mean the, the school's amazing, and the broadcasting program is amazing. It's just too far out of the way, and the weather sucks too. So, yeah. all right, so Buster, on that note, this is a really. I think I hope you have a cool answer on this. You're not a guy that spent time on degrees doesn't matter. You've been very successful in what you've decided to chase down. We saw the NCAA throw out this rule for agents the other day, affectionately known as the Rich Paul rule. Then they seem to walk it back in terms of what a degree actually means. In general, I've also seen where Bill Gates has argued that we should really be looking at how we rank colleges not so much by who they accept but what their graduates go on to do so this idea that like degrees aren't the end-all be-all what were your general thoughts when you saw the rich paul rule sort of try to be a thing and then get walked back yeah you know the second i saw it i I just knew it wasn't gonna last um (laughs) because of the amount of powerful people that were upset at it you know like when the greatest basketball player in the world is just publicly trashing on you, you have no choice but to, at the very least, address it. And then, you know, starting there. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when I saw it, I was like, that's ridiculous. I don't think it'll last. But while it does, it's it's absurd. I'm a big fan of Rich Paul. And, 
you know, all of what they've done under under LeBron and under Clutch and all of that. You know, I I think that a degree can be great, you know, but it's not the actual degree that means anything. It's the work that went into the degree. If you're actually passionate about what you got the degree in and for, and you know, there are a lot of instances like we've seen with college athletes getting a, you know, for for lack of better words, you know, a bad degree uh, or an easy degree, taking easy classes, you know, like the classic taking Swahili, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, in some cases it's great because the person learns a lot in college and makes great connections, but it's very little about the degree, in my opinion, and more about the person and what they know and how good they are, whatever they're going to do, because the degree won't, won't do the work for you. You know, that, that's, that's such a good point because so much of what you learn in the classroom, you don't really learn what you need to do until you get out of the classroom and intern, whatever it is. But I know Monica's coming up to the big finish pretty soon, but I wanted to ask you, what player, living or dead, would you most like to meet and what would you ask them? Uh, I would love to meet. I mean, if I had the living or dead option, I would obviously go for somebody dead because don't have a chance to meet them. Um, so living or dead, I would probably shoot for Will Chamberlain, maybe. That would be super interesting. I'd, I'd probably fire off questions around 100-point game and asking him about, or ex- I guess explaining to him what's happening now because it would be very interesting to hear his reaction to the league as it is and, you know, no three-point line back when you play. Now you've got Steph Curry. I think that would be interesting to see his reaction to the evolve the, uh, the evolution of the game. But as far as guys that are around, I mean, LeBron is is the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. So, LeBron. I am so with you on that one. I've always – I've been saying for probably close to 10 years that I think LeBron's the best all-around basketball player I've ever seen. And I've seen pretty much all of them, including Wilt Chamberlain. I always said, like – if Dr. Naismith was in a laboratory and trying to create the perfect player, it would come out looking a lot like LeBron. Yeah, I think LeBron is by far and away the best all-around player, like you said. I agree. Wow, guys. Um, far and away? Yeah. Really? We're not even going to get into the MJ Kobe thing? I'm not doing it. Far and away, though? Like, I'm, I'm a big LeBron fan, but, like, far and away? Uh, yeah, I think, I think all around, like there are, oh, Kobe's much better offensively than LeBron ever was. I think there's a solid debate to MJ being better than LeBron offensively, but all around, cause he's close, he's close to both offensively and he's much better on, on defense. Yeah, he's, much bigger. He's, a better he's much bigger, he's much faster, he's much stronger. And he has a much higher basketball IQ in my opinion. Than either of those two guys. See, I don't, I don't know about that though, Buster, because I think, I think LeBron approaches the game a little bit differently, right? Like if we got into the conversation of pure scores, then we might, like I think you'd have to argue Kobe. But you're right in that LeBron's IQ is demonstrated because of the types of plays that he makes. I also think LeBron is by far and away the goat in the sense of conditioning. He conditions himself and allocates more time to his body, his sleep, his health, his nutrition than any other athlete I've ever seen. 
No, well, one of the things I've always loved about LeBron, in addition to all the things that you described, he always wanted his teammates to succeed. He was always about getting them the ball in the right spot, you know, getting them the ball right in their shooting pocket. He was always a generous teammate on the court. I agree with that. But is there a world, guys, where we'll really be seriously having this conversation about LeBron and Kawhi? Uh, not yet, not yet. He's got Honestly, yet. though, if if Kawhi wins with the Clippers, he'll be the first player in the history of the NBA to bring two franchises their first title, and it would be his third team and probably third Finals MVP on three different teams. That would be pretty impressive, but he's got to do the work first. Oh, man. It's going to be such a great season. I'm so excited. All right, Buster, on that note, we got to bring this thing to its crescendo. The name of the podcast, as you may have noted, is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So blindly, just have faith in me, I'm going to ask you to pick one of those. A bucket, a board, or a block. Just pick one. A bucket. All right, a bucket. So now, on the vein of our conversation, and particularly the way that we just ended it, I'm going to ask you for what you believe will be a bucket in the upcoming 2019-2020 NBA season and why. Oh, by the way, a bucket is obviously a good thing. It's something that we want more of. Give us all the buckets. We're excited about this. So something that I'm excited about this upcoming season? A bucket for the next upcoming NBA season. Yes, sir. Uh, hmm. I'm a big fan of how even the playing field is. Um, And I hope the Knicks can have a part in that. What, Buster? (laughs) You heard me. I said I hope. I said I hope. Okay, what does that part of that plan look like? You just said that you think they can get 35 games in the eighth seed in the East. That's what you want? I would love that. That would be... That would be pretty beautiful. All right, so your bucket is the parody and the chances for the Knicks to surprise some folks and make some noise, yes? Yes. Who's going to win it this year? Probably the Clippers. Wow. Yeah, their second second unit's really strong. Bruce is not Team Clippers. We just have to help him get it together. <laughs> hey, I, yeah. I, I, I like what they do. I'm a big Doc Rivers fan. I, I'm, down, I'm down with the Clippers being up there. Well, of course you're a Doc Rivers fan. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Buster. Thank you so much for joining us. Folks listening, obviously check this man out on social. Buster on Instagram. Hoops Nation killing it on Instagram. We got some some good fodder. We're going to see. We're going to see how things pan out this season and obviously keep up with your work. So thanks, Buster, for the time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Folks, thanks for listening. Again, Buster share with the wisdom. Y'all got the Knicks as an eighth seed in the playoffs this year? We definitely will find out. All right, it's time for my BBB. This week, I'm going with a bucket coming off the heels of the National Association of Black Journalists Conference in Miami, particularly the Sports Task Force, which I'm a part of. Got to see some dope NBA reporters. So I'm going to give this week's BBB bucket, that is, To Chris Haynes, who we got to chop it up. It's always a good time to have a family reunion of reporters and such. But Chris gets it because he got the scoop on Kevin Durant talking for the first time since we saw him go down with that injury. If you missed it, check out the article on Yahoo. Chris got to hang out with KD 
at his lavish place in California doing rehab, getting a scoop. And Katie addresses being out there to compete with the risk of an injury. Um, and then even making his decision to go to Brooklyn, that it was not necessarily concocted all season. So shout out to Chris for getting the intel that everybody wanted their hands on. It's a great read. Make sure you check it out. Thanks again for to Buster for spending quality time with us. Thanks again to my uh, extraordinary producer and sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, as well, and our fantastic editor, and in this case, our booking extraordinaire, Ben Wolfen, for helping make this pod happen with Buster. Please check out our other shows from Pure Hoops Media, The Mike Wise Show, Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozloff, and The Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. We'll be back next Thursday with buckets, boards, and blocks. But until then, y'all know the drill. Enjoy your hoops. Buckets, boards, and blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 